You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to sevier.church. Today's sermon, What Does Missions Have to Do With Me?, is led by Grow and Go Pastor Craig Mintz, accompanied by Larry McCrary with the Upstream Collective. Nobody, nothing like Jesus. And so it's great to gather as a church family and exalt his name together today. I would love for you to join me in your Bibles in the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 4 today. I want to thank Pastor Dan for the opportunity to focus in today on missions. And my hope is that by the time we leave today, you will have an answer to this question, what does missions have to do with me? Talking about you sitting in the pew there, what does missions have to do with me? Is missions only for uh, those individuals who feel specially called to go and plant their life somewhere else for years on end in a foreign culture, in a foreign country? Or is it just for those members of our church that we've prayed over over the past month as they've served on a short-term team in Brazil and Alaska and other places? Or is missions for every one of us who follow Christ and who are members of this church? I believe it is for every one of us. And by the time we leave today, I want us to see how. I want us to have some practical next steps of seeing how we can be a part of the mission. I'm going to share from the book of Acts, and after I do that, I'm going to invite our special guest today, Dr. Larry McCrary. He is the CEO of an organization called Upstream Collective, and they are a missions organization that comes alongside churches like ours, helping us to be a good sending church and going church. And so I'm going to invite Larry to come up here in just a few minutes uh, to help us with that. But first of all, let's look together at the book of Acts, chapter 13, and beginning in verse 1. You follow along there as I read. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus." Throughout the years, Pastor Dan has done a wonderful job of challenging us to be a people who go into our world. That's what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Jesus and a growing member of this church, is that we worship together what we're doing right now, every Lord's Day. We gather in a life group, in a smaller group, to grow in the Lord together as we study the Scripture, as we live life together. We serve, we have ways in which we serve on our church campus week after week through various ministries, but we also go. 
We go into our ordinary, everyday world, whether it's school, our business, our home, our neighborhood, and as we go, we are ambassadors for Christ. We not only go, though, into our everyday world, but we also go into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're very much like the church at Antioch in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, two chapters before this, we find out that the church at Antioch, they were preaching the gospel to people in their own city, both Jew and Gentile. They had begun the first, they were the first church to begin to reach cross-culturally within their own city, outside the people of Israel to the Gentiles who were living in their city. So they were reaching the Jew and the Gentile because they understood that the gospel was for everyone. It wasn't just for the Jew, but it was for all people, every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so as they went into their world and their day-by-day business, they looked around them and they said, who are these people that I live with? Who is my neighbor? And how, what can I do to share with the gospel with them? But then what the church at Antioch realized is that even though the gospel begins here, it can't end here. Even though the gospel begins where we are, where we live week by week, It cannot end here lest we be disobedient to our Lord's command because he commanded us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. And so we want to disciple our nation. We want to pour Jesus into the people around us, but it can't end here. We have to go beyond our borders, taking the gospel to the nations. How do we do that? Where does it begin? Well, I want us to see from today's passage that it begins in worship. Missions begins with worship. Look again at verse 2. It says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You see, what was going on there were there were prophets and teachers like Barnabas and Saul who we usually known as Paul. And there were these prophets and teachers leading the church to worship. And what did they do? Well, I mean, think about Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the verses on the screen there. The early church, it says in Jerusalem, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Much like our church, the church in Antioch, when they were worshiping together, they were fellowshipping together. They were looking one another in the eye. They were praying for one another, challenging one another, encouraging one another. They were hearing the apostles' teaching, the authoritative word of God that was changing their lives, and they were praying together. They were saying, God, here are our lives. Do with it what you will. Here I am. Send me to my neighbor, to the nations. God, here I am, a living sacrifice. Do with me what you will. That's what we do here on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. And that's what the church at Antioch was doing. They were coming together in worship. And we see here in verse 2 that they were even fasting. The church there was so 
earnest to seek God's face that they even did without food for a time so that they could more intensely focus on seeking God's face and hearing from him and being available to him for what he wanted to do in their lives. They were serious. They meant business in God's presence to know what God wanted for them. And it was in that setting that God spoke the Holy Spirit began to speak and to set apart two from among them, Barnabas and Saul, who we know as Paul. He called them out. How were they able to hear it? How were they able to have this going mentality, this going identity? Why were they so ready to set apart Barnabas and Saul? Why were they so ready to hear from God? It's because they were worshiping. They were fasting, they were praying, they were gathered together as the people of God, ready to hear from God so that they could tell other people about God. I want us to see not only did missions begin in worship as it does here today, but also the Holy Spirit sends out missionaries through the church. Look again at the text. It says in verse three, then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Who sends out missionaries? The text tells us that the church sent out missionaries, and the Holy Spirit sent out missionaries through the local church. It was not the International Mission Board of, of Israel. It was not some organization like Upstream Collective. These are wonderful organizations, but their purpose, they will tell you, is not to send missionaries, but it is to come alongside churches like ours, to help us disciple people, develop people, to preach the gospel to them, to help them grow in the gospel, and to understand God's call to reach all people, and then to help us send well. It is we as the church at First Baptist Sevierville that sends people out. And we see in Acts 14, 27 through 28, that the church not, didn't just send Paul and Barnabas out, but they welcomed them back. They supported them. Paul and Barnabas came back and reported all that God had done, and they rejoiced together. The church didn't say, you go off and do your thing. We're going to keep doing our thing. But they said, we're doing this together. You're going, we're sending, we're praying, we're supporting, and we are on mission together. Every single member was a part of what God was doing. I believe our church is like that, is becoming like that, and can be a church like Antioch. A church who when we worship together and we hear the word of God preached and we lift our voice in song, we are ready to hear from the Lord. We are ready to say, yes, Lord, I will go. Yes, Lord, I will be obedient to you. But how do we do that? How do we do that practically? How does every member, no matter whether you have a passport or not, no matter whether you ever get on a plane or not, how is every member a part of the mission? What does missions have to do with me? Uh, Larry, come on up here. Larry McCrary is gonna help us with that today. Let's give him a warm uh, First Baptist welcome. 
Thank you. And we're just going to take some time to dialogue about this uh, today. Uh, Larry, it's so good to have you with us. It's great being here, yeah. Yes. Would you just introduce yourself uh, to our church? Just tell us a little bit about who you are and what Upstream Collective is. Well, what you just talked about. I mean, it is so great. I almost wanted to sign up again. uh, (laughs) Yeah, so my wife and I, uh, as you can tell, we're from these parts, uh, from Knoxville. And in 2001, uh, my wife, Susan, uh, and our two kids, young, um, like five and eight, uh, moved to Madrid, Spain. And now, it's the funny thing is, I mean, we had Taco Bell then, and so I knew Yoquieto Taco Bell, and that was about it <laughs> in terms of Spanish. And so being from PAL, um, <clears throat> English was the second language. And so, uh, and so learning a whole new language, I mean, I thought listening to messages and sermons, I could never be that person that would go overseas. But God just did a work um, over the last, you know, 40 years. I've been in ministry and pastoring and being a missionary, being a church planner. I guess I started really young, but, uh, but it's been around 40 years that I've been in ministry and our kids grew up on, from the field. And now Upstream is unique in that what we do is basically we help churches do missions better. And so, like, we don't have to help you all a lot. I mean, you all do a lot of things really good. But what's neat is God is just, there's this awakening that's happening throughout the world with churches in Africa and Asia and Latin America and all throughout the United States that are saying, you know, the Great Commission is ours. We have a responsibility for the Great Commission. It's not, uh, you know, XYB, you know, uh, mission organization. Mission organizations facilitates what God does in the church. And so our organization, we write books, we equip churches by sending, bringing people through cohorts and training, and we also facilitate sending of, of, of missionaries to the nations. Yeah, amen. Well, you've been a great help to us, I'll say. Uh, Jeff Pettis is sitting on the front pew down here. Raise your hand, Jeff. Jeff's <laughs> been on staff with us since uh, last year. He was the uh, owner and operator and pharmacist over at Reams Drugstore, and then he came <clears throat> to join us here on staff to help us do what we've been talking about this morning, and you guys have been working together. Uh, We appreciate your help and just uh, helping us think about how to do an even better job of sending short-term yeah. mission teams. So, yeah, we, we, you've already been helping us in that regard. Well, let me ask you, we talked about the church at Antioch uh, being a church where everybody's on mission together. And so, uh, what would, how can a church like ours be like that, where uh, maybe someone out here is saying, hey, I love Jesus, I believe that He died for me and rose again, I've been saved, I've given my life to Him, but I don't really see what missions uh, has to do with me. Isn't that just for people like you, Larry, and people <laughs> exactly. like Craig? Uh, yeah, what does that have to do with me? Uh, what would you say to folks like that? You know, I think you alluded to it when you were, you know, diving into Acts 13 and 11 and Acts 2, uh, when they were worshiping the Lord and praying, you know, and fasting. Um, in Acts 2, it talks about what the church, the early church was devoted to. They were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, community, life together, right? Those things things were super important, prayer. And because of that, it became part of the DNA of the church to really know the Bible. What, you know, was the apostles, what we know as the Bible was the apostles' teaching, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. They saw how Jesus gave himself away, how he helped others and healed others. And so they knew it because it was a part of who they were. Hmm. And so when you look at the, the other passages in the New Testament, I think of Acts 1-8, and I think of, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. 
And so we think of that, and we hear the Great Commission, and we see that. You know, my parents who live here in Sevierville have a pond, and we can throw a rock in the pond, and it's this ripple effect. And that's kind of the picture of the book of Acts, starting in 1.8. The, the gospel will be spread to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so the, the gospel is heading. But before you get to that, you've got to look at the witness. And it says, you will be my witnesses. And a witness is identity. It's, it's who you are. A witness is a witness, witnesses, but a witness is part of their identity. Uh, Jesus says in, um, in, in Matthew 5, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. He's telling that to everybody. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And as a Christ follower who has the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have been given the responsibility of the Great Commission. Some will go to other parts of the world. Others will be here. But there's, all of us have a part to play. And Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, says you'll be an ambassador. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. Now, living in Spain, we always have to go to the consulate to get a new passport or get a new visa or whatnot. And so I remember one time we had to go and prove that we were married. Now, I mean, we'd been married for 25 years at that point, and we had to prove that we're married, and so the wedding rings were not enough, and so we had to take our wedding certificate and take it into the consulate and have the, the ambassador have his stamp of they are officially married. That showed the country of Spain who was requiring this. It said the ambassador gives his stamp, therefore, because he is a representative, the official representative of the United States of America to the country of Spain. Now, that's what this passage is saying. We, as Christ followers, we are ambassadors. We are the representatives. Not just you, not Pastor Dan, not me. All of us are representatives, ambassadors for Jesus no matter where we live, work, and play. So if we start thinking that way, that we're going to live sent, yes, you'll have missionaries. You'll go on short-term trips. You're going to be praying for missionaries. You're definitely giving as a part of that. But you also start seeing yourself as a sent one in your own neighborhood. And so that's what I find interesting about the second part of Acts 1-8, is that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth— you know, I don't know if you know this, but the ends of the earth now live among us. Mm. And so we, we live in Madrid, 7 million people, downtown Madrid. We don't have a car. We walk. We, we come, you know, it's, it's, we love it. And it's, it's weird, but we just really love that urban setting. We go to a church, a couple hundred people, and there are 37 different nationalities in our church. 37 different nationalities. Mm. People from the nation. So when you see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the challenge I think often that we, but I don't think it's a challenge. The opportunity that we have is that the ends of the earth are now our neighbors. Sometimes the challenge can be how are we going to respond to our new neighbors? How can we love, show hospitality, care, listen, learn, but also we have gospel opportunities to take the gospel without ever leaving Sevier County. Now, we come up here a lot uh, when we're back in the States. And I love going to the 8 o'clock service because there was, from Knoxville to here, there's absolutely not much traffic. <laughs> Bucky's a little bit of congestion, but not much traffic. Yeah. 
you know, I'm sure the 930 and 11, you get more traffic. Yeah. You have literally people from all parts of the world that come by this church, that go to the schools, that are in business. The opportunities to be salt and light and an ambassador in your own neighborhood is incredible. That's one way that you, by living sent, everyone is on mission. Yep. Now, that was a long answer. I don't know that we have time for that long of an answer on every one of them. Yeah. I'll do better. No, but that's, that's yes. great. I love that. That being sent, it's not just uh, what we do, but it's who we are. And you're right about the nations being among us. I mean, all of you know that. If you go to school here, you know that. If you work in this community, you know that. We actually have a couple, Larry and Melanie Hart, who have a ministry, Hearts for Internationals. And uh, they are ministering to the J-1 students, students from all over the world who are here on a J-1 work visa. And the nations are here, right here among us. So what an opportunity uh, we have right now for sure. Well, hey, let me ask you this. Uh, maybe we have got some folks out here, uh, students, retirees, business people, uh, young families who are sensing that the Lord might be moving them in a next step of what it looks like to be sent. Maybe it's to plant their lives somewhere else. Maybe it's to go be a missionary somewhere uh, in a, a remote place or go help plant a church somewhere here in the U.S. But they're feeling like the Holy Spirit may be stirring in them to take that next step, to move beyond what they're just doing right now and go somewhere else. So, uh, but they're not quite sure what to do. They're not quite sure where to go, what steps to take next. What's, what might you suggest for someone like that? Well, first, I'm I'm really excited that you alluded to these alternate pathways to mission. Often churches will say, okay, missions is short-term trips, long-term, you know, missionaries sending out. Both of those are important, right? But there's this middle section of people that I think can go to places for two months, a year, two years, and serve. And they may be marketplace people. A guy that I disciple in, in, in our city is just a young 25-year-old American businessman, but God's given him several people to actually, you know, share the gospel with and do a Bible study with. And, and so he's not a missionary, in, in quotes. He's, he, he's at business there. Um, students. We know, we know a college um, a young woman that actually decided to go to school in our city for four years, did her entire undergrad degree, got plugged into a local church, and served missionally. And so these are non-traditional ways. And we're seeing more and more of um, people that are like me that are older. You know, 60s is the new 40. And, <laughs> and so we're able maybe to go for two years and go serve in a part of the world. And what we find that often as us older people, uh, we actually are listened to more sometimes in other cultures, and actually they respect that, and they kind of like, wow. And so the opportunities to be able to think, can I study abroad? Can I do a business? Can I, can I work remotely? Can I retire for a few years? So these alternative pathways are important, and it opens up a variety of ways to serve. So Three quick things that are, that, are, that are great steps. First is talk, take advantage of these guys here that are involved in missions, Pastor Dan, and, and start walking with them soon. 
be able to, hey, you know, I'm not committing to anything, Pastor Greg, but I really think God's doing something in my life. Can you, can we talk through this? Can we walk through this and, and learn to be a good disciple maker? Because as you're di- making disciples here in your own context, you're more likely going to do a better job of that when you're in a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I would do is Go on a short-term trip, okay? Okay, that was the commercial, paid advertisement, <laughs> right? But go on a short-term trip. I, w- I remember a, a missionary conference I was at. There's probably a thousand missionaries, and the speaker said, "If you've ever been," and these are long-term missionaries, he said, "If you've ever been on a short-term trip before you came to serve long-term, raise your hand." And 99 percent of the people raised their hand. The, the reality is short-term trips takes you out of your comfort zone. It puts you in a different culture. It gives you opportunity to serve deeply, be discipled deeply, and, and God uses that. And it also gives you the opportunity to, when you come back, you see differently. You start seeing the nations among you because you've lived differently for a week, two weeks, or a month. But the short-term trip is a great way to serve strategically. For the missionary, you know, to receive you, but it's also a great way to grow as a Christ follower. And then the third would be really just being able to get involved locally, and I kind of alluded to that earlier. The opportunities, you mentioned a ministry, to be able to serve and work cross-culturally. The more that you can get to know cross-culturally, culturally, like knowing more about your campus that's in Espanol, your different types of ministries that you have to the nations will help you think differently. And if God is going to prepare you to go overseas, He'll use those things cross-culturally to prepare you. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned about alternative pathways. I think a lot of people think if I'm going to do missions of some kind like this, I've got to go get a three-year seminary education. I've got to be someone like uh, Craig or Pastor Dan or Larry or something, but there's so many ways God could do that. Um, I saw Lori Bain uh, in, uh, back there somewhere. I, I don't know where she was, but she reminded me that uh, um, their daughter, Sydney, uh, who just graduated from college, is moving to Denver. They've actually just moved her to Denver, and she's there as a teacher uh, in the public school system, teaching English there in the public school system. But she's coming alongside one of our church plant partners, helping them do ministry in Aurora, there in the Denver area, reaching that community for the gospel. So she's doing professionally what she's educated and trained to do, but doing it somewhere strategic for the sake of God's glory. And you know, you students who are in the room today, maybe you want to think about that. Like, am I going to be a teacher? Am I going to be a nurse? Am I going to be an engineer? Am I going to be a businessman? You know, what am I going to do? And could I possibly do it somewhere like Denver or Nairobi or Rio or somewhere around the world for the sake of God's glory? Like the young man that uh, you were discipling there in Madrid. And uh, even for the senior adults, uh, man, uh, just so awesome to see how God uses you at any stage of life. We often think about just young people going and then spending the rest of their life. Yeah, we're seeing more and more churches looking at sending out people that are are older. That's awesome. Well, hey, um, you and I agree that churches need to do a good job of sending by caring for those that we send. And uh, we know that missionaries face a lot of challenges uh, wherever they serve. And so uh, just share with us, maybe what's one of the biggest challenges that people we send face and how can we as the sending church help? 
Yeah, that, that's a good, I mean, there are immense challenges, you know, cross-cultural stress, um, being um, on your own, persecution, maybe being marginalized um, as a person. But I think the, the thing that we often see is, um, and navigating, really, I forgot to say this the first time, just navigating when you have elderly parents, you know, and navigating, you know, being on the field, but your parents are here. And I just, you know, I couldn't say in the first service because I get choked up, but my parents live in this area, and Pastor Dad didn't know me from Adam, and I wrote him a note, and he really went, he went to see, and his wife went to see my parents. Now, I'm 5,000 miles away, and this pastor goes and spends time and prays for my parents. That's missionary care. And that's one way that a church can help is caring for missionaries. And you all do that well. And so how do you do that with your national partners and your missionaries that you're sending out, you know, regardless of where? And so there's these needs that happen on the field. But often what I've found on the field, because we've been over there for quite some time and we work with hundreds of missionaries uh, over the years, is that I have met so many orphans. Now, I'm not talking about children orphans. I'm talking about missionary orphans, people, men and women, called by God, sent out, and forgotten by their home church, forgotten by their sending church. And so we, I think about the book of Philippians in chapter 2, and, and, and Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. And so he's writing to the church of Philippi, and he loves this church. Um, you know, in fact, chapter 1, verse 6, I thank my God, he says, Every time I remember you for the partnership from the very first day until now of the gospel. That church meant a lot to Paul because Paul was the church planter. And he loved those people. And in chapter 2, he writes about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, in churches and for pastors, I mean, let's face it, Timothy's easy. You know, he's one you can spell his name. Epaphroditus <laughs> does not get a lot of press. Epaphroditus, I mean, we, I cannot spell his name. It's taken several years to learn to say it. But he, he, he writes this, and I think it's, it's incredible. He said, I thought it necessary, verse 25, verse, uh, chapter 2, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. So he's saying, okay, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was the one who brought the gift to Paul and evidently stayed there and evidently was sick unto death. And he's saying, it's time for Epaphroditus to go back home. And he says, he's, he is my brother, spiritual brother. He's my fellow worker. He's labored alongside of me, and he's my fellow soldier. He's defended the faith. And then he writes, after those three, he says, and he's your messenger and your minister to my need. And it was like he was reminding the church of Philippi, don't forget your sent ones. So even the earlier question one way that churches can really expand how people are involved would be writing missionary letters, praying, caring for, having advocacy teams for different groups. There are multiple ways just in the caring avenue for a church, because I think you all do that naturally. And so that is just one way that a church can really plug in and, and care, but don't forget your sent ones. Mm, that's good. Oh, brother, there's so much more we could talk about today, and I wish we could, but we need to wrap up our time here with this interview. Church family, would you say thank you uh, to Brother thank Larry you. for what he shared with us?
Thank we appreciate you, brother. Here, let me pray over okay. you before you go sit down. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for Larry. I thank you for his family. I thank you for their ministry in Madrid. I thank you for their ministry through Upstream Collective. And we just pray that you would bless them, empower them, God, to be great uh, helpers and come alongside the church globally to send and to reach the nations. Uh, just bless them, Lord, as they uh, minister uh, to Larry's parents here in Sevierville as well. And we pray that everything that he's spoken about would become true of us as a church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Uh, church, I want to just come back to our original question today and bring, put a fine point on it in this way. What does missions have to do with you? What does missions have to do with me? Is it just a ministry that some people in the church are a part of and that's good for them? Or does it involve all of us? I hope you understand now that it does involve all of us. Even if you never get on a plane, even if you never get a passport, you as a member of this church are a part of the going, a part of the sending, and your very identity is a witness, is being sent. Everything that you do, whether you live in Sevierville the rest of your life, or you get on a plane and go somewhere to live forever tomorrow, you are a part of the mission. I wanna give you four next steps. Look on the screen there, if you will, or uh, you might, you'll have them in your notes. I want to give you four next steps, some things that you can do to make sure that you're not standing on the sidelines, that you're not being disobedient, but that you as a member of this church are a part of the mission. Number one, after we leave today, maybe you'll go upstairs out that door right there and go by our missions table. There are prayer guides up there that you can pick up and you can just pick up one of those prayer guides and begin to pray over Brazil. Kenya, our Middle East partnership, Anchorage, Denver, Cleveland, one of our partnerships, pick up all of them, pick up some of them and begin to pray for them. That's so important as we support those that we send. Number two, be here on Sunday evening, 6.30, Sunday evening, August 27th, mark your calendars. We're going to have a big celebration of what God's done this year. All of our short-term mission teams are going to come up on the platform, and we're going to tell the story of God's faithfulness and what he has done as our short-term teams have gone out to take the gospel, to work alongside our church planting and missionary partners. We're going to celebrate that, that that evening, and we want all of you to be there and be a part of that because it's good uh, to rejoice in what God has done, and it's going to encourage us for what God's going to do in the future. Number three, mark your calendars also for October 1st and 8th. October 1st and 8th. Those two back-to-back -back Sundays, we're going to be having our annual missions fair. We had one last year, and we're going to be up there again on that top level on this side. And you just come by the table ask questions. Jeff, our missions committee, all of our people are going to be out there answering any questions you have. You can pick up information. You can put your name down on a list for Brazil or Denver or whatever you're interested in to get more information. But you can come by those two Sundays and find out more about 2024. We want to get the news out ahead of time so you can plan. You can ask off for vacation, all of that. Uh, for 2024, we're going to do that October 1st and 8th. And then finally, I want to just encourage you to respond now. Uh, we're going to 
we're going to have some music, and this is going to be a time for us to stand up and to move. And one of those ways you can move is to come forward. Our pastors are going to be standing here, and we want to invite you to just come and pray with us. And maybe you say, uh, Pastor Craig, Pastor Dan, whoever's standing here, God's moving in my heart. I think that I need to take another step of obedience in being on mission, but I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not sure what to do next, but I just want to be obedient. Will you pray with me? We want to pray with you. Uh, whatever that means, whether it's here in our community or around the world, maybe you need to come and do that. But finally, I want to say maybe you need to come and talk to one of our missionary, one of our pastors and say, hey, I realized when y'all were talking this morning that there must be something important about Jesus. Why would you spend 30 minutes going on and on about sending people, spend 30 minutes going on and on about going to the ends of the earth and spending thousands of dollars and leaving your family? Why would people do that? It's because we realize that Jesus is the only hope we have. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if people don't have Jesus, they don't have life. They have no hope for eternity. One day they'll die and be separated from Almighty God, from His love and His tender care. But when we turn away from our sin, we believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the grave, and we put our faith in Him to be saved, and we begin to follow Him, we will receive eternal life. We'll have true life. And we believe Jesus is the only way to our Father in heaven. And so we are compelled to go. We are compelled to do whatever it takes to reach our neighbor, to reach our classmate, to reach our coworker, and to reach the nations because Jesus is worth it. Would you stand with me quietly and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to respond to your call today. We know that every one of us is called to be a part of the mission. Lord, help us to be obedient to that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.